So what did they have in common? Were you listening? All three stories have some clear parallels um, in common. We'll talk about that in just a few minutes. When I was little, when I was uh, probably, um, I don't know, um, eight, nine, ten, maybe a little closer to high school, I used to, I used to think because my mom, um, she helped form a good conscience in me. I used to think that as I would sin and when I would hurt God, I would think that God would draw away from me, that God would would basically turn himself from me, or maybe that I would be turning myself from God. When I would be quiet or when I would think about where God was in my life, I could not conceive that God would possibly be close to me, especially in my own sinfulness. And so very often it was put upon me to to work hard to bring myself back to God. Maybe by my effort, by my will, by doing good, I had to repair the wrong that I did in order to get back close to God. The idea was either I turned away from God or God just could not be so close to me in my sin and God would turn away from me. And then I started to read scriptures. I started to read the Bible and I started to listen how God reveals himself, especially through Jesus. Now, I need you to to hear this. Jesus is the revelation of God to us. Jesus says, I'm the word made flesh. So if we want to know what God looks like, if we want to touch God and hear God and see God, we look at Jesus. He reveals to us who God is. So this is Jesus. This is the heart of the Father. Jesus says, to see me is to see the Father. This is the heart of the Father telling us a story about how God loves. And I want you to hear who the audience is. So this is the audience. Beginning of the gospel, it says this. Tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to listen to Jesus. So tax collectors and sinners... um, These were like, if we could come up with a list of like the most sinful people in the community, the people that everyone would talk about, the people that everyone would gossip about, the people that everyone would keep at a far distance. No one really wants to care or be around these people. These are the people that were all drawing close to Jesus, and these were the people that Jesus was hanging around. And it says, the Pharisees and the scribes, so these are the religious people, these are the ones who know the ways of God, these are the ones who claim to be teachers of God, they were watching all of these sinners get close to Jesus, and they were complaining. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. This man who claims to be God, who claims to be a representative of God, he is doing the one thing that we can't understand that God would ever do. And it says, to them, Jesus tells these stories. So Jesus is speaking to the religious people who claim to know who God is, who claim to know how God is. He tells them three stories about God's love. Let's look at what they have in common. 
The first one, a man had a hundred sheep. He's a shepherd. He leaves 99 to go find the one lost sheep. Now, I just want you to think about the logic of this. This makes no sense. No logical shepherd would leave 99 good sheep to the wolves, to all the predators that would be in nature, to go after the one sheep who probably is the same one who gets lost all the time. Yet he leaves 99. The story is meant to be radical. It's meant to not make sense. It's meant to throw us off. And then it says when he finds the lost sheep, he comes back and calls all of the shepherds to celebrate him finding the lost sheep. This certainly would never happen. Other shepherds would not care if one shepherd found his lost sheep. They wouldn't want to celebrate. In fact, it might be a little embarrassing that he lost it in the first place. But the point is, in the same way, Jesus says, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents, over one sinner who is lost and is found. There's more rejoicing in God's heart over one sinner who is lost and is found. Okay, that's the first story. In case you didn't get it, a sheep, he tells a story about a coin, similar story. Something is lost, something is found, there is a rejoicing that happens. A woman has 10 coins, and if you do the study of uh, the scripture, the coin is, is such a minuscule amount. It's such a small little bit amount. It's like a penny, a, a nickel. It's, it's something that you and I probably don't even value anymore. I play golf with somebody here, and I use coins like for ball marks. And if you lose them, you just use another one. Like, I'm at the point, it's embarrassing, where if I just drop a, a dime, a nickel, I don't even look for it anymore. Embarrassing but it's at the status of it's not that important. But this woman tirelessly looks for this coin until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls all of her neighbors and says, come celebrate with me. No one would do that. It's outlandish that anyone would do that. But Jesus is telling a story of the Father's love for us. There is no one in this church there is no one that is insignificant enough that God would never not look for us. There is no one in this church, there's no one outside of our church that God would just write off. I can just get another one. It's just insignificant. They're just not that important. They're not that valuable. God tirelessly pursues us when we are lost to find us. And then when he finds us, he rejoices. There's actually joy in God's heart when we come back to him or when he finds us. And in case you didn't get it, these are back-to-back stories. Again, he's telling the stories to the religious people in the midst of the sinners that he's with. He says there's a man with two sons. Now, if you can imagine, the two sons are right in front of him, right? The sinners are one son, 
the holy religious are the other son who never do anything wrong, who always do everything right. He's telling a story about them, but it's safely about two sons. And you know the story well. The, the younger son goes off, insults the, the dad terribly, goes off, squanders everything. He's lost. The younger son is lost. He has nothing to turn to, and so he, he turns to bringing shame upon himself, bringing embarrassment upon himself, like being lower than the low. The people of Israel, the Jewish people, would never touch nor ever eat. Think about eating swine or pigs. Yet the lowest of the low, he's working in tending the pigs, and he's not even thinking about eating the pig. He's thinking about eating what the pig is eating. He is at the lowest of the low. He's lost his dignity and his worth. But as he draws closer to the house, his father is looking for him. His father's looking out for him. He sees him and he runs to him and he tries to restore the dignity of his son. Throw a robe on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on his feet. Rejoice, there it is again. Rejoice and let's celebrate because this son who was lost has been found. Something is lost, something is found. And there is celebration in all three of the stories. And Jesus is telling this to you and to me and to his audience about how God loves us. See, God does not run away from us when we sin. God runs to us when we sin. And I want you to hear that. You belong to God. You were created for, by him. You were formed by him. You were made by him. You are sustained by him. And when we sin, we just make bad decisions. We, we choose something other than what's best for us. We choose to take care of ourselves. We choose to go on our own. We choose to get lost. And God pursues us because he knows we are helpless without him. And he knows we are vulnerable without him. And there is no one who is less than God's pursuit. No one who is worthless in God's eyes. And so perhaps you ask yourself, um, have I ever been lost? What does it look like to be lost? just want to kind of go over maybe um, a, little, a little list here for you just to kind of help you focus in on what it might sound like for you and I to be lost. Now, this is no judgment. This is just for us to be able to hear what lost means. Lost is not so much being physically lost. Lost is being lost in our heart and in our head. You and I can choose to distance ourselves from God in our heart and in our head in our mind, we can choose. So what does it look like to be lost? Just gonna, I'm going to go through a list. Think about your own life. You feel stuck in the same patterns of thought, sin, and addiction or behavior over and over and over again. You've befriended moral behavior that at one time in your life 
would have been unacceptable. The thinking of American secular culture seems more relevant than does maybe conservative Christianity. Your beliefs keep shifting. You're more and more seeking approval from people and from secular standards than from God. You've become a cynical person. You have less peace and less joy in your life. You feel overwhelmed. You no longer do what you used to do for a relationship with God. Maybe come to Mass as often. Maybe pray as often. You often say, I'm just too busy. It's been more than 12 months since you went to a priest for confession. You no longer feel guilty for the sins that you commit. The gospel doesn't affect you like it used to. You say things like, I've heard it a thousand times. It just, it's getting a little old. You were closer to God before COVID than you are now. You were more disciplined spiritually before COVID. You would always go to Sunday mass, always go to confession, always had daily prayer, but now just listless. The sins that used to bother you don't really bother you anymore. You keep promising yourself that you will stop. Okay, this is the last time I will do that. See, it's really easy to judge people over there. They are the ones that are lost. But if we listen to our heart, if we let these stories speak to us, Perhaps it will reveal a lack of belief and a lack of confidence in God's love for us. That he would pursue us when we feel stuck, when we feel so obsessed, maybe with ourselves or with the world or with sin. God doesn't run from us, he runs to us. When we are lost, he seeks to find us. And when he does find us, there is rejoicing. I invite you to pray with these three stories this week in your own life and in your own prayer. Do you believe that God pursues you when you're lost? Do you believe that God wants to bring you back to himself and rejoice despite your own sinfulness? Let us pray for greater faith, a greater trust in God's mercy, who is revealed to us in Jesus, who is the one who comes to pursue us, who comes to rescue us, the good shepherd.